you have a Bible with you, you can turn to Matthew's Gospel. We'll look at chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And the text is also printed in the bulletin. And if you'd like a Bible, there are some on the back table there. Uh, during Advent, we looked at some of the names uh, of the Christ, some of the titles given to the Savior that were found in Isaiah's prophecy, chapter 9. Uh, those, those names, those titles, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Um, these aren't exactly names that you'd find on a birth certificate, right? Pro- probably not names that uh, Jesus heard very frequently uh, as he was being addressed. <clears throat> not the names you'd find on a passport or any sort of identification. But these are the names that indicate the significance of who the Savior is. They reveal to us something about who he is and, and what he is about and what he does. And today, on Christmas Sunday, so Advent is over, uh, that, that period of waiting until uh, Christmas Day, uh, that's over. Now we're in Christmas season. And so uh, this is Christmas Sunday, the first Sunday after Christmas. And uh, we're going to conclude this series on sort of names uh, with one more name that's found in Isaiah's prophecy, in Isaiah chapter 7, the name Emmanuel. And also uh, with the given name of the Savior, Jesus. It is the name that you would find on his birth certificate if they issued birth certificates back then. Um, so these, we're talking about two names, Emmanuel and Jesus, and these two names go together really well, as we'll see in our passage. So uh, let's pray, then we'll read the scripture. Father, you've done a remarkable thing in sending your Son into the world to save us from our sins and to reveal you, yourself, to us. And even though you've done this remarkable thing that the world has uh, heard about for thousands of years, it's easy for us all to ignore it, to uh, misunderstand it, to not know the, the true significance of who Jesus is, who Emmanuel is. We pray that you would um, help us, help us no longer to get away with ignoring the full significance of who Jesus is. Help us to know, and help us to be changed by it. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise be to you, O Christ. 
So um, I didn't speak with perfect accuracy a minute ago when I said that, that Jesus was the name that you would find on his birth certificate. Uh, actually, that name would probably be Yeshua, literally speaking, Yeshua, which is a form of Joshua. Uh, somebody asked me recently whether, um, whether there's still power in the name, even though we say Jesus instead of Yeshua. There's still power in the name. That question, I think, uh, might reveal a bit of a superstitious mindset, as if it's the syllables themselves somehow that, um, that have the power to save, like some incantation from old, an old spell book or something uh, used to ward off evil spirits. It's like, for you Harry Potter fans, it's Leviosa, not Leviosa. Right? You've got to pronounce it right or it won't work. Um, the power to save doesn't reside in the pronunciation of syllables. The power to save resides in the person who has been made known to us. The power to save resides in the person who embodies the meaning of this name, the person upon whom we may call. We can call upon him. We can address him. We can pray to him. We can ask him for mercy. We can ask him for salvation. The power to save resides in the person upon whom we may call in our own language. He's given us that privilege of calling upon him in our own language, even if it means pronouncing his name slightly differently than his mom would have. Um, but it's important to understand the actual meaning of his name. The English, Jesus, transliterates the Latin, Iesus, which transliterates the Greek, Jesus, which the, the Greek was the, uh, the language that the New Testament's written in. So anytime you see it, Jesus in your New Testament, uh, it's translating that word, that Greek word, Jesus which is a transliteration of the Aramaic word, Yeshua, and probably is, that's the name that his mom called him, Yeshua. And that, uh, that Aramaic Yeshua probably is a, is a form of the earlier Hebrew name, Yehoshua, Yehoshua, right? So that's, that's what's found in the Old Testament when you see the name Joshua. Uh, hopefully you, that all cleared everything up for you, made perfect sense. Uh, Jesus basically just, just means Joshua, right? Joshua is where that comes from uh, um, via a couple different language transliterations. So Joshua, as we read in our Old Testament reading that Cindy read, um, he was the living successor to Moses, right? It's pointed out that Moses died, and now you, Joshua, now you arise, Right, so he's the living successor to Moses. He's chosen by God to lead his people into the promised land over the Jordan and into the promised land to take possession of their inheritance by defeating their enemies in the land. One of the great themes of the book of Joshua is the promise that God makes to him right there at the beginning. And it, it really establishes the, the theme and the, the tone of the whole book in Joshua chapter 1, which Cindy read again. <clears throat> God says, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law of Moses. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For Yahweh your God is with you wherever you go. Right? So Joshua, 
Um, I think he's one of the underrated heroes of the scriptures. He loved the presence of the Lord. He used to accompany Moses into the tent of meeting, a special place where God's glory dwelled, where where it actually says uh, that the Lord used to meet Moses there and speak to him face to face as men speak. And Joshua would go with Moses into the tent of meeting. And when Moses left to go back out to the camp, Joshua would stay. He would stay. He lingered there. He loved the presence of the Lord. Joshua had always taken courage from knowing that God was with him. Even from when he was a young man sent to spy out the land of Canaan, right? He and uh, Caleb and the spies, they, they go and they see these this tremendously beautiful and, and uh, flourishing land. But the inhabitants are like these giants and they're terrifying, right? And they come back with their report and everybody... Uh, um, shakes with fear, except Joshua and Caleb. They say, it's all right. We can go take the land. God's with us. We can do it. He always has taken courage from knowing that God was with him. Even though it was a land filled with giant enemies, he told the people, Yahweh is with us. Do not fear them. Yahweh is with us. Do not fear them. Joshua entrusted himself, and he entrusted all the people to God. Joshua depended upon God's presence depended on God's power to grant them victory. And Joshua was faithful to do everything that God told him to do. So Joshua was the human instrument through whom God made good on his own promises to his people. And that's what he said to Joshua. He said, said, you're going to give these people the victory that I promised. You're going to lead these people into the promised land that that I promised. You're going to do my work on my behalf. You're going to be the one who does it. He represented God to the people, and he brought about God's salvation for the, and God's blessing for the people. So in Joshua, you see these two things brought together. His name means Yahweh saves. That's what Joshua means. That's what Jesus means, that name. It means Yahweh, this particular God, he saves. Yahweh saves. And... Joshua is he's like the talisman of the God who dwells with his people. If you were one of the people in ancient Israel, whenever you saw your leader there, you saw Joshua, you'd think, God is with us. We could do anything. We could go anywhere. Because God is with us, because they see this Joshua. <clears throat> Jesus is the greater Joshua. And his two most important names bring these same two things together. His name is Joshua. His name really is that. His name is Joshua. It's Yahweh saves. And he's also called Emmanuel. That prophecy from Isaiah chapter 7, which is brought out here in our passage. He's called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Yahweh saves. God with us. Like Joshua... Jesus loves the presence of God, his Father. He lingers in the temple. He uh, goes out into the wilderness to be alone with his Father in prayer. Like Joshua, Jesus took courage knowing that God was with him. Courage even to face down the devil. Courage even to face down death itself. Because he knew God the Father was with him. Like Joshua, Jesus entrusted himself completely to God. And all the people that God gave to him. He entrusted everything to God. Like Joshua, Jesus is the human instrument 
through whom God made good on his promises to his people. But instead of uh, leading the way into the land of Canaan, like Joshua did, Jesus, who is the greater Joshua, has opened the way not just to a plot of land. He's opened the way to heaven. He's opened the way to heaven, and he's shared his own divine inheritance as the Son of God. He's shared that with his people. In Hebrews chapter 4, entering into God's rest, entering into God's salvation, um, is pictured, the the author of... uh, of the book to Hebrews sees this in Joshua's life. He says it's pictured in Joshua bringing the people into the land, but Jesus came to bring about a rest and a salvation in a way that, that Joshua couldn't, that he didn't, that he couldn't possibly. In his own humanity, Jesus led us through the wilderness. In his own humanity, Jesus defeated our spiritual enemies. Jesus conquered death itself. And now, alive forevermore, he carried our humanity into the rest and the salvation, not of the promised land of Canaan, but he carried our humanity to the rest and salvation that's found in God's very presence in glory. He's saved us from hopeless despair. And he's exalted our humanity to the highest place. And Jesus is not just like a talisman of the God who dwells with his people. He is himself God dwelling with his people. In fact, he's God dwelling with humanity in his own person. Just in himself. Even if there were no other people in the world for God to dwell with and to relate to. No other human beings. If there were only Jesus... He would be God dwelling with humanity. Because he is both God and humanity. He's God and man. Two natures in one person. United. The early councils of the church were careful to work this out in the creeds. Very careful with their language. The Nicene Creed. The Chalcedonian Creed. The Athanasian Creed. Um the church, we've, we've articulated this as best we can, this reality that's testified to by all the scriptures that Jesus is fully God and he's fully human. It's the most important thing in the world to know that Jesus is fully God and fully human, that he is this Emmanuel because Jesus saves, Yahweh saves by being Emmanuel, by being God with us. That's how he saves us. As the angel told Joseph, Jesus would save his people from their sins. From their sins. Not just from some big scary enemies blocking the entrance into a a nice land flowing with milk and honey. He's going to save us from our sins. And the big problem with our sin is that we have driven a wedge in our relationship with God. We have separated ourselves from God. We've chosen to be without God. That's what we've done with our sin. And Jesus saves us by being God with us. He saves us from that withoutness, and he saves us for withness. 
because that's who he is. When God the Son was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the virgin's womb, God united himself to us and he pledged to be with us, not just temporarily, not just for the course of 30 years, a lifespan till the crucifixion. He pledged to be with us forever. He united himself to our nature forever. There is no God who is without humanity. There is only the God who is with humanity, even in his own person. Even though we had chosen to be without God, he has chosen once for all to be with us. So his intentions, his intentions toward humanity, believe it or not, they're, they're perfectly clear. It couldn't be clearer. He has committed himself to being with us to such a degree that he has irreversibly become one of us. He has united himself to our nature. He has taken our nature as his own identity. It's who he is. It's really impossible to get our minds around it. God, God, because he is the God that he is, and not ceasing to be the God that he is, not giving that up, not setting it aside, also became a human creature. Entering our time, entering our space, as one of us, living among us, suffering and dying as one of us, being raised from the dead and taken up into glory for us in order to make the way for us to be with him forever. He came to be with us where we are so that we can be with him where he is, always. He came to relate to us so that we can relate to him. His utter condescension means our utter exaltation because he is this God with us. That's who God is. He's God with us. It's the great mystery of Christmas that never ceases to amaze, and it's the great truth of Christmas that will never cease to be true. There will never come a time in eternity future when God will be without us. God would cease to be who he is if he weren't God with us, if he casts off our humanity in some way. He would cease to be the God that he is. But that's his name, Emmanuel. That's his identity. And he'll never stop being who he is. He will never leave us or forsake us. The God who is with us is here to stay. Even though you can't see Jesus, even as he was ascending into heaven bodily and knew it would be difficult to believe things like this, he assured his disciples, and he assures all of us, Behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age. I am with you always, to the end of the age. It's who he is. Jesus, our Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. It is true, and he wants you to believe it, even though you do not see him now. This has always been a matter for our faith. As his people, it's really hard to believe that someone's with us when we can't see them, we can't reach out and touch them. But it's always been a matter for our faith. God told Joshua, God told the people of Israel to hold on to this truth precisely when it was the most difficult thing to believe. Precisely when it seemed absolutely ridiculous to believe it. I'm with you. 
I'm with you. Don't, don't be afraid. He says, I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For Yahweh, your God, is with you wherever you go. Believe that. On Christmas Eve, um, Miranda <coughs> uh, put this quote on Facebook that I think a few of you saw, at least. And it's a quote by a PCA pastor and an author named George Grant. And he says this. He's, de- he's uh, giving some historical background to the definition of the word Mary when we say Merry Christmas. Right? He says the word Mary is from an old Anglo-Saxon word which literally means valiant, illustrious, great, or gallant. Maybe you need a dictionary to define those things, too. <laughs> Thus, to be merry is not merely to be mirthful, he says, but to be mighty. In Shakespeare, we read of fiercely courageous soldiers who are called merry men. Strong winds are merry gales. Fine days are marked by merry weather. So when we say Merry Christmas, we are really exhorting one another to take heart and to stand fast. Now, because of the incarnation, you know who God is. You know who God is. That in Jesus Christ, he's the God who is with you. You know his character. You know his identity. You know his name. You know he will never cease to be who he is, this God with you. You know that it's impossible for him to leave you or forsake you. So take heart and rest assured. This God is with you even though you sin. Do not fear. He's God with you even though he might seem distant. Be strong and courageous. He is God with you even when others mock you for believing that. God is with you wherever you go. Merry Christmas. Amen. Let's pray. Father, you know how hard it is to to believe things like this because uh, we're of weak faith. We're prone to disbelief and doubt. Um, We think that facts and truth and the things that ought to be believed are usually um, limited to the things that we can see, that we can apply our physical senses to. And yet here is this word, this word that comes from Jesus' own lips. Behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's who you are. We pray that you would help us to believe that. We pray that you would change our lives as we believe that. We pray that you would grant us um, freedom from anxiety and fear and doubt that you would help us to fix our eyes on Jesus and to know that you are the God who is with us in spite of all appearances to the contrary, in spite of what the devil may lead us to believe, in spite of the world's ridicule of us, in spite of our own doubts, in spite of the fact that we know ourselves to be sinners who don't deserve you to be with us. You've said you're with us. You've demonstrated that you're with us. You've come into the world to live as one of us and die for us and rise from the dead for us and ascend into glory and take our humanity even to God's right hand. So it does seem that you are with us and that you're the God who saves us from being without you. We pray 
that you would help us to believe that, help us to proclaim that wonderful Merry Christmas truth uh, to our friends and loved ones who don't yet know you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.